When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 118. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there, friends, and welcome back. On today's show, we are discussing all things eco-friendly menstruation. I know. Are you excited? I sure am super excited to talk about something, anything other than coronavirus, and I hope you are too. The average woman uses 22 disposable menstrual products like tampons and pads every cycle, so every month. That adds up to 264 products a year, and assuming that an average woman menstruates for 35 years, she will have thrown away 9,240 single-use menstrual products in the trash in her lifetime. Now that's crazy, right? 9,240 products in a lifetime? It should be no surprise to any of you listening that plastic applicators and pads wrapped in plastic and tampons made from conventional cotton, they're not recyclable and they are certainly not eco-friendly, right? They don't break down in landfills either. So that number, 9,240 pieces of trash per woman per lifetime, that number is so jaw-dropping precisely because It is entirely preventable. It is estimated that close to 20 billion menstrual products end up in landfills each year, just in the United States alone. So really let that number sink in. 20 billion menstrual products in landfills every single year. That's crazy. On today's show, we are attempting to do two things. The first thing in part one is I am outlining Six reusable menstrual product options that are on the market right now. I'm betting that even if you know two or three of them, there's going to be at least one option that I suggest to you today that is going to surprise you. In part two of today's episode, I am bringing you a conversation with Carol Morris. Carol is co-founder of the Sustainable Period Project based out of Australia, And by the way, a shout out to all my Australian listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Sustainable Period Project seeks to provide every secondary school in both Australia as well as New Zealand with sustainable menstrual products 
for educational purposes. So really insightful interview coming up in part two of today's episode. Now, this episode is for an awful lot of people, right? It is for my fellow women who continue to search for an eco-friendly option despite multiple failures, right? Maybe you're open to dipping your toes into trying a new product, trying something new. And if that sounds like you, it is my hope that this episode inspires you to do just that. If you are listening to this episode at or near release date, which of course is April 7th, 2020, which of course is (laughs) just in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, you are likely in social isolation. And while there are so many things that are completely annoying about social isolation, there is one great aspect to it also, which is, of course, that social isolation is the perfect time, keyword perfect time, to try on a new lifestyle tweak. In this case, perhaps it's trying on a reusable menstrual product on for size. This episode is also for the listeners who have daughters. I believe, I I have daughters, and I believe that it is so important for all of us to educate ourselves on women's issues so that we can then in turn educate the next generation. And that includes you men. So for for my male contingent, you will hear Carol Morris say on today's episode that it's super, super important that men educate themselves on women issues. And I agree. It's not just a mom's job. This episode is for the women looking to try something new on for size, but it's also for any parent with daughters looking to get a little more educated and a little bit more sustainable when it comes to our menstrual cycles. So why, right? Why reusables? Obviously, the first answer to the why reusables question, of course, is that single-use products are terrible for the environment. There's the plastic, there's the packaging, there's the pesticide-laden cotton, there is the constant manufacturing and shipment of all those single-use products. All those aspects are bad news for planet Earth. And by the way, if you listen to my episode on greenwashing, that was episode 106, You likely heard me mention that even the, quote, eco-friendly disposable menstrual products, they're still harmful to the planet. So labeling them as eco-friendly is simply greenwashing. It's nothing more. And you and I, we already know this already. Single use is bad for the planet. But why else should we give tampons and single-use pads the side-eye? Well, there's two reasons. The first reason is that the single-use products on the market are likely incredibly toxic. You probably have not spent a lot of time thinking about what is in your tampons and what is in your pads, but perhaps you should. Our vaginal walls are incredibly permeable, and so any chemical in a tampon specifically, will make its way into the bloodstream. So 
Tampons are considered a medical device by the Food and Drug Administration, and that means that manufacturers are not required by law to issue a full disclosure of what is in their tampons. All right, so what chemicals are we talking about? I went down a complete and utter rabbit hole when researching the toxicity of tampons and pads. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole today. I'm just going to try and keep it real simple for all of you. But basically, over 90% of the cotton produced in the United States has been genetically modified to be resistant to Roundup, aka glyphosate. And glyphosate is a very powerful herbicide that is used to kill weeds that compete with cotton for growth. So when cotton is growing at the beginning of the growing cycle, crops are sprayed repeatedly with Roundup or glyphosate. And so those cotton tampons that we use and those cotton pads, they likely contain glyphosate, which is really problematic to human health because it is linked to long-term health effects that aren't really all that studied. So the World Health Organization ruled glyphosate as probably carcinogenic, which means it probably causes cancer. But the most concerning thing here is that it hasn't been tested, yet it is used by millions of people every month. Now, Again, the vagina is a highly permeable space, which means that anything that we put inside will easily be absorbed through that membrane and into the bloodstream, where it will provide a toxic burden to the body. So chronic exposure, which means not just using a tampon once and then never using again, but chronic exposure, using it for five days every month for 30 years, that can cause metabolic changes. It can disrupt our endocrine system, and it can cause cancer. Now, single-use pads, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I don't use tampons, I use pads. That might be better. Single-use pads, they do not uh, rub against that vaginal wall, so the chemicals in your pad may not be as readily permeable into your bloodstream. However, they are still rubbing against your skin for hours on end for five days a month, so something to consider. Reason number two why single-use menstrual products aren't so great is that they are super expensive. Now, when my first daughter was in diapers, I agonized over the cost of diapers. I bought diapers in every which way I could think of that reduced that per diaper cost to make it as low as possible because Really, like why on earth would I spend money on an item that I would fill with waste and then throw in the trash? It just didn't make any sense to me. So if I found a diaper that was a halfway decent diaper for 15 cents each per diaper, I was proud of that and I bought it. But my second daughter, I knew better and I went reusable, but that's another story for another day. So anyway, the average price of a baby diaper is 25 cents per diaper. Okay, 25 cents. But the average price for a tampon or a pad, a single-use tampon or a single-use pad, that average price is a whopping 60 cents each. So more than double than that price of a diaper. Using these stats, I outlined at the beginning of the episode, which on average is 22 products per woman per cycle. The average woman 
average, of course, with air quotes, but the average woman spends $13.20 on disposable menstrual products per month. That amounts to $158.40 per year. And take a seat if you're not, because this is crazy. $5,444 over the span of her menstruating life over 35 years. Okay, so $5,544. That's what we're all spending on the single-use stuff over 35 years. Now compare that with a menstrual cup as an example. So there are a lot of reusable options out there, and we're going to talk about them in a minute. I'm just using the menstrual cup as an example simply because I have firsthand experience using one, and I know how much they cost. So bear with me. A menstrual cup. I use a Diva Cup, and that Diva Cup cost me $30. It was a single upfront cost. Menstrual cups last 10 years. So that menstrual cup, after doing the math, comes out to one cent per use, as opposed to the single-use items that are 60 cents per use. So think about that for a minute. You could spend 60 cents per use, or you could spend one cent. Now, to break that cost savings down a tiny bit more, Using tampons or pads over your lifetime would cost you $5,544. If you used a menstrual cup over your lifetime, you would spend $120. Using a menstrual cup at the start of menstruation and then continuing to use it through menopause would save you $5,424. Crazy. That's so crazy. What could you do with over (laughs) $5,000? I can think of an awful lot of things I could do and would like to do with $5,000 that has nothing to do with spending it on tampons and pads. Now, just one more thing here when we talk about cost. For many of us, right, investing in that $30 menstrual cup or that $30 product that we are not even sure we're going to like that's daunting, right? It is so much easier to purchase that $9 box of pads or tampons that we know are going to work. And I hear that. It is such a common criticism of zero-waste living that reusables are often inaccessible to many because of that hefty upfront cost. So I hear that and I acknowledge it and I wish there was a way around it. My best encouragement for you, though, is to play the long game and to look long term and realize that saving up for the reusable is really going to pay off. Literally, it's really going to pay off in the end. All right. So what are the options out there for reusable menstrual products? I'm going to run through them really quickly. I'm not going to give you so many product recommendations, but I will list my product recommendations in this week's show notes if you're interested. The first option for you is actually a disposable option, but it is an eco-conscious disposable option. And it is for the women out there who would like to get more eco-friendly in their tampons and pads purchasing, but are just not ready to go full reusable. Then that is a pesticide and plastic-free tampon or a pesticide and plastic-free pad. Now, Cora is one brand that 
is highly recommended because they offer 100% organic cotton and applicator-free tampons and pads. So that means that their cotton that they use is absolutely not sprayed with glyphosate, right? What I also love about Cora is that they are committed to workers' rights. Their cotton is global organic textile standard certified, and they just do a lot of great things for health education to empower women and end period poverty. So consider Cora if you still want to go disposable, but you're just not quite ready to jump into reusable. The next option is a reusable option, and that is reusable pads. So it's it's really simple. It's like a traditional pad, except you wash it and you reuse it. It's genius. There's lots of brands out there. They're all phenomenal. I'll link to some in the show notes if you're interested. Now, just so you know, by the way, if you are handy with a sewing machine, you do not even need to invest in a commercial reusable pad. There are so many easy to follow directions out there on the internet for you to make your own. And I highly suggest, of course, you make your own instead of purchase. Option number three is period underwear. Now, what on earth is period underwear? Well, it is essentially a piece of underwear with a reusable pad sewn inside. And advocates of period underwear really appreciate the fact that the pad portion doesn't move around during the day. And speaking to people who use them say, these products are super comfortable. So one of the worst parts about having your period, right, is that it's just an uncomfortable time. Well, period underwear, according to others, I do not personally use them, but according to others, they say that period underwear is super comfy. All right, so that's option number three. Option number four, okay, this one surprised me. (laughs) Not gonna lie, this one was mind-blowing, is sea sponges. If you are somebody (laughs) who uses and loves a sea sponge to satisfy your menstrual needs, please write to me. I need to talk to you. (laughs) But sea sponges have been used for thousands of years, and they date back to use with early Egyptians. So sea sponges, they come from the sea. They are sustainably harvested. And if you're buying one, make sure you purchase one from a company that is using sustainable farming practices. But they're also reusable, right? So you would essentially use it as you would a tampon, except you then rinse it out and reuse it for six to 12 months. People love sea sponges because they're all natural. And so they win major points with those anti-chemical, all organic, non-toxic community members who are really concerned about tampons for those reasons. And of course, they're also better for the environment because you can reuse them for up to a year. So that's number four, sea sponges. Number five, of course, is that menstrual cup. The menstrual cup is hands down (laughs) the most polarizing of all the options on the market. I should say that nearly every woman I have ever talked to has ended up loving their menstrual cup. But nearly all these women had to go through an adjustment period where they tried different brands, felt uncomfortable, got up and close personal with their lady parts. There was in that adjustment period before they got used to the menstrual cup. All right, so what is a menstrual cup? 
It is exactly what it sounds. It is a cup that is inserted in the vagina that accumulates, that collects menstrual waste throughout the day without leakage when it is inserted correctly. So it is made of medical grade silicone and it lasts for 10 years on average or about 120 cycles. Now, some menstrual cup naysayers argue that menstrual cups are unsafe because women who use them have an increased risk of toxic shock syndrome, which can be deadly. And I should note too that toxic shock syndrome occurs with tampon use too. So it's not just some crazy deadly disease that occurs with only menstrual cup users. That's not the case. But I should also note here that for my listeners already using and already loving menstrual cups, I listened to an article, a story on NPR two weeks ago about right versus wrong ways to remove a menstrual cup. And I will link to the actual article on this week's show notes. But basically the gist is you should never bear down when you are removing that menstrual cup at the end of the day. You should instead pull it out without bearing down because bearing down contributes to the possibility of prolapse. I read that and I thought to myself, holy moly, if I didn't know this, nobody else does. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And for the rest of you, you are hearing me talk about toxic shock syndrome, and I'm warning you of prolapse, and you are thinking to yourself, heck no, (laughs) I will never use a menstrual cup. And all I can say to you is that I really, really, really love my menstrual cup. (laughs) Um, I will never switch to anything else ever again. Adopting a menstrual cup was really hard for me. Um... I waited two full years before I finally took the plunge and tried it. And you will hear me say today in my interview with Carol Morris how irrationally frightened I was about trying it. Um, It's almost as though I tried every other zero waste swap on for size and (laughs) I like procrastinated at going for that menstrual cup. But from the other side, as somebody who's been using one for three years, I guess now, three years and counting. I am such a happy camper. I'm so much happier now than I ever was using the disposable stuff. So that's just my personal plug (laughs) for the menstrual cup. And finally, option number six for reusable period products is the menstrual disc. Now, the menstrual disc is very similar to the menstrual cup, but it's slightly different because a menstrual disc sits up higher and it does not have that stem. So if you've tried a menstrual cup before and you hated that stem, you found it uncomfortable, I suggest you perhaps try that menstrual disc. So same benefits without the stem. All right, so we're gonna move right on into part two of today's show, which is an interview with Carol Morris of the Sustainable Period Project. Before we get into that, I should mention that today's show notes, they are available at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 118 and enjoy the interview with Carol Morris. Carol, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk all about my one of my favorite things, menstrual cups and the Sustainable Period Project. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. and Thanks for having me. Before we even get into the good stuff, please tell us who you are and what you do. 
my name's Carol and um, I'm a physiotherapist and uh, I'm also the director at Lunet Menstrual Cups in Australia and uh, also one of the co-founders of the Sustainable Period Project. Um, I actually, we do this business with my sister, Elizabeth, and uh, she's a, a registered nurse and midwife. Um, so uh, about in about 2007, um, Elizabeth actually got a sort of email from her friend who was pretty embarrassed because she'd been to Europe and um, bought this thing called a menstrual cup. And then when she came back to Australia, she saw that no one was really using it. And so she sent an email to my sister saying, um, I've got a secret that I want to share, but I'm too embarrassed to tell everyone about it. But here's a link. And it had a link to Lunette on it. So we looked into this and both of us working in health, we just thought, why on earth is this awesome little device not available to Australian women? I mean, um, to us, it made perfect sense. Uh, so we went through you know, the testing processes and um, all that sort of thing, registration, and um, yeah, brought Lunet then into Australia. Wow. Well, you kind of answered my first question, which is, are menstrual cups mainstream in Australia? And before you answer, I just want to say that here in the States, they are not mainstream at all. <laughs> I, I think back to when I was in high school, we had health class. We talked about menstrual issues, but never once was a menstrual cup brought up. And it wasn't until I started getting into low-waste living that I even learned about this amazing little thing called a menstrual cup. So what is public opinion on menstrual cups in Australia in 2020? Uh, in 2020, it's actually really um, quite good. As in, uh, I'd say most people have uh, heard of it. They might not know exactly what it is, but they have at least uh, possibly heard the word. Now, when we first brought it out, um, the silicone version in 2007, the sort of faces that we'd get at expos, we'd get people doing stealth moves just to get around our stand. They, they'd see this sort of, you know, we'd be known as the, the vagina women, the vagina cups and how it's disgusting and, um, you know, I, I don't know what they thought we were doing with the blood or anything like that afterwards, but it, they, the faces that we got were just uh, uh, quite classic, but uh, certainly you know, uh, 10 years later with this whole, I suppose, like pro-women movement and, um, you know, we bleed, get over it sort of attitude. Uh, it's definitely a lot better, but there certainly is a lot more education that needs to be done in this area, mainly because people look at it and they just think, how does this work? Well, actually, firstly, they look at it and they say it's enormous, and then they say, how does it work? <laughs> so uh, it's really just a matter of, um, I guess, just uh, trying to break those attitudes that it is a, a, a scary out there product and that you know most most women will be able to use it even if you have a little bit of guidance uh, yeah most women should be able to use one I know that you are doing an awful lot to raise awareness and kind of break down the barriers between women and zero waste periods I just I must say from personal experience that you know going through, zero waste swaps. I would say 99% of the zero waste swaps that I've adopted into my life over the past five years have neither improved nor reduced the quality of my life. They were just swaps, right? Like a shampoo bar. Once I found a shampoo bar that worked for my hair, it, it didn't improve my hair, but it didn't reduce the quality of my hair either. So 
that would be 99% of these zero waste swaps. But the one swap that has legitimately improved the quality of my life through the moon even would be the menstrual cup. And I know you touched on some of the like the the fears women and men I'm sure have about <laughs> menstrual cups, which is, you know, it's huge. But what other criticisms have you heard from the naysayers? Um, the the main thing is is so you see your blood. Um, so uh, I think for a lot of women that's quite confronting, um, especially because uh, you, most women have probably uh, been raised that periods are something to be shameful of, to be hidden. You know, you've got these um, secret little parcels in your school bag and, you know, God help you if you make a rustling noise in the in the cubicle when you're trying to change a pad or tampon. You know, it's um, even if you're in a women's toilet, you know, you're still trying to be really stealth with it all. So then to actually pull a cup out and see blood in this sort of stealth mentality uh, I think that that is quite confronting so that would be the main thing that oh, you know so y- y- what do you do with the blood in it so again with the education if um, we can just you know, get uh, people's head around that that's uh, certainly been uh, one of the biggest ways of moving uh, people forward to, to just make that switch. Hmm. For me when I started down my menstrual cup journey, the blood didn't bother me at all. It was more the size, I think, which is so silly to to say and to realize because I've had two children. So <laughs> this <laughs> this thing should not be that that scary to me. But for anybody listening who just hasn't attempted a menstrual cup yet, uh, I would strongly consider you to do so because it just takes all the stress out of changing whatever your sanitary item is. I leave mine in 11 hours, 12 hours a day um, with with no issues. I forget it's there. And I can really just go about my day. It used to be that I was kind of sidelined by my period, but that doesn't happen anymore thanks to my menstrual cup. So I would love to talk to you about the Sustainable Period Project. But before I even get there, I want to know, like we all know that single-use menstrual products are bad. They're extremely wasteful, right? Do you have any uh, stats on how bad they are? Uh, yeah, so uh, the conventional pads and tampons, uh, well, conventional pads, uh, they're actually made of approximately or well, anything from 80 to 95% plastic. And you're probably thinking, well, how does a plastic thing absorb, you know, blood? <laughs> but um, the backing on the on the pads is um, obviously plastic and then you've got some liners and the mesh that's uh, got plastic components as well and in landfill that's going to take at least 300 to 500 years really if ever uh, to break down because obviously to break down you need um, you know bacteria and all that sort of thing and landfill seems to be void of a lot of these good bacteria to break it down it's not like it's a nice compost there it's really quite a sterile environment so, um, you know, the single-use single, single use ones, uh, it's a lot of waste. Uh, we're talking about probably one small shopping bag worth of waste per period. And women, if you add up all uh, the time that we spend menstruating, uh, it works out to be about six and a half years that we spend in menstruation. Um, so I know when you put it like that, it's like, oh my goodness, that is a long, long time. That's almost like an entire high school 
your entire mm-hmm. high school time. You will spend menstruating. Add the waste on top of that, and it's, it's just a massive, massive amount of waste, uh, yeah, per menstruating person, and it's not it's not necessary. So uh, really, especially with this uh, green movement, war on waste movement, you've really got to look at your look at your own sanitary products. Uh, I know a lot of people go on about you know nappies and things like that, and the cloth nappy that seems to be really quite well um, accepted. But then women, yeah, what is a pad? A pad is pretty much a nappy anyway. But it's really something which seems to be skimped over in conversation when it comes to talking green and waste and and, and plastic. Hmm. Talk to me about the Sustainable Period Project. What are you doing and what are you hoping to achieve? Okay, so uh, when uh, Liz and I first brought uh, the silico menstrual cups to Australia, uh, from about maybe 2010, we started getting uh, emails from teachers saying, look, we've heard about this thing. Can you send us a sample to show our students? And then we, about a year or so later, we started getting emails from students asking us, look, my teachers don't know anything about this. I'm, I'm using a menstrual cup. Can you please send us samples so we can show our teachers? So then we just thought, hold on, you know, students and teachers all want to know about this. Uh, so we need to do something to change, you know, the mindset and try and get it into a, sort of a natural part of the education system. Uh, but we were actually quite lucky because at the around about 2015-16, uh, the Australian schools curriculum, so it's revised about every four years, they actually put together something called an Education for Sustainability group. Uh, this was organised by the government and they decided that uh, there should be a sustainable component put into pretty much every part of the curriculum. So no matter what subject it is, there should be something about sustainability on it. So uh, one of the things that this um, group flagged was that teachers you know, are really happy to put the sustainability component in, uh, but there was an absolute lack of resources. And students don't just want to be lectured on you know, green stuff and how to save the planet, you you want sort of, um, I I guess, like exciting resources or activities or something just to really um, cement those ideas into their brains. Uh, So we thought, well, this is a good opportunity to see if we can put together some sort of kit that will teach about sustainable menstruation. So this is something which had never been done before. Um, And we thought, well, not everyone's going to want to use a cup. Um, not everyone's going to want to use a cloth pad or period underpants or uh, biodegradable pads. So we thought we, we need to put pretty much every sustainable option in there so that really no matter what your preference is, there's a st- sustainable choice to suit everyone's lifestyle and their culture uh, and you know their, their, their mindset. Uh, so that's how the sustainability, Sustainable Period Project, um, I guess, came about in 2016. I love that. Mm-hmm. A couple things. The first is that Australia is so far ahead in terms of sustainability education than the United States are. You guys are just worlds away. I love that sustainability is taught in all different subject areas. I would love to know what the student feedback has been on these sustainable period kits. And do you have any data to 
inform you as to whether students are choosing the reusable options over the single-use options? Uh, what we did is uh, after we'd sent out uh, the first round of kits, so um, our aim was to put one kit in every high school in Australia by the end of 2020. So we actually com completed that at the end of last year. And uh, towards the end of last year, we did put out a survey to uh, all the teachers who had received the kits. So the, um, it's sent to the health department of the school and it's kept sort of, you know, in their resource cupboard. Uh, so that main contact, we sent them a, uh, a questionnaire just to cover, uh, I guess, the, their feedback, students' feedback, any comments. And uh, what we found is that when the teachers first started uh, talking about the kits, uh, I'd say it was quite a low level of knowledge that the entire class had on these products. Uh, but by the end of the class, uh, you know, obviously the knowledge is there. And when they asked them, you know, which sort of product would you lean towards, it really was quite a mixed um, a mixed response. So some students said that uh, they could see themselves switching to the biodegradable pads and tampons. So these are the ones that break down in about six to 12 months. Uh, so, you know, maybe the leap to reusables and washing and all that sort of stuff uh, it was a bit too far. Uh, others are very happy to jump straight, I guess, to a menstrual cup. And then others were more than happy to sort of start transitioning to, say, using cloth pads or period underpants at home and then uh, using the biodegradable ones at school, so uh, mixing it up. So in this kit, uh, we do uh, give examples of, of what you can do so that you don't feel pressured to you know, make an entire switch. Um, so we say, you know, mix, it, mix and match. Uh, and, and make it fit in with your own lifestyle. A lot of students, they didn't like the thought of, uh, I guess, taking off a cloth pad, um, folding it and keeping that in their bag to take home, especially in Australia where it's, it can reach up to 44 degrees um, in in summer. So I think having, I guess, a, a pad in there, uh, I think they're worried about smells and uh, I guess that, that whole sort of gross factor or anyone finding it in their school bag. Uh, but again, we just you know, said to them, we just put it in a, like a little wash bag and take it home and just put it uh, soak it straight in water. So uh, we have put into the kit quite a lot of uh, answers to help students, just to guide them on how do you make that switch from plastics to these, these sort of products. I love that you – don't abide by a one-size-fits-all model. You offer a range of different sustainable options. And like you said, students can pick and choose what fits into their lifestyle. I think also one of the biggest things that you're doing, which again is not measurable, but is incredibly important, is you're just raising awareness that there are other options out there. And like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm no spring chicken, but uh, what was it? Let's say 18 years ago when I was in high school, I wasn't even aware that reusable products were on the market. So the awareness piece, I think, is is key. So I know you mentioned that your goal was to have one of these kits in every high school in Australia. And congratulations for meeting that goal a year early. <laughs> what are your next steps? Uh, so in Australia, menstrual education starts in year five and year six. Uh, so that's in our primary school. Uh, so the next aim is to actually get it out 
into all the primary schools in Australia. So we have just um, around about 6,500 primary schools and our aim would be to get it out there by 2025. Uh, But I guess primary schools in a way are a little bit uh, more difficult because uh, it just depends on, I guess, the the level of education and their delivery methods for when they're um, talking about periods and things like that. So, for example, if you have an all-boys primary school, I don't know uh, the depth that they go into talking about menstrual products and if showing them menstrual products is something that is already done in the curriculum. So I know um, speaking with a lot of um, men about their menstrual education, a lot of them who went to boys' schools, pretty much they just said all they were shown, uh, I guess, with sex and menstrual education was here's a banana, here's a condom, this is how you put it on and that's about it so it was more about um i guess safe sex rather than uh periods and menstruation and what products you know your partner would potentially use uh what uh, menstrual fluid looks like uh these sort of things they just there's just not really covered in any sort of detail so um we are first going with requests so if a primary school requests a kit, uh, they're the ones who are on our priority list and then we'll start working through the school's list. So uh, we're hoping to complete that by 2025, giving ourselves five years to get that done. And then after that, uh, it'll just be, uh, I guess, maintaining any uh, broken kits or kits missing bits um, sort of for on- ongoing. Carol, where can listeners learn more about the Sustainable Period Project and all the wonderful things you're doing? Uh, If they go to sustainableperiodproject.org, you can just see uh, uh, what is in the kit. And uh, if you are located in Australia, you can ask your primary school or high school, if they haven't found theirs yet, um, to send in a, a request for a kit. Uh, but certainly um, we have downloadable, free downloadable resources on our website. So uh, if you did want to put together something for your own community, you're more than welcome just to download these resources. Uh, they're free for all and uh, there's little uh, PowerPoint presentations. There's some activities like how to make a cloth pad. Um, there's some quizzes and things like that. Uh, so this is something which would be really nice if you did want to present it to your school. You can say, look, the lessons are already done. Um, here they are, you know, put them on a USB stick. And really it's, um, you know, is helping the teachers, a bit of hand-holding to uh, show them how to to put this stuff into their curriculum. As a former teacher, I love the hand-holding. So thank you for doing everything for the educators who are already so overworked. (laughs) This was such an enjoyable conversation for me. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Carol. No problem. Thank you so much for having me here. I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Carol Morris of the Sustainable Period Project. I have linked to her work in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 118. On next week's show, we are discussing five things you used to pay for that you can now do at home. I'm so excited for next week's episode. I will see you then. Stay healthy, stay home, and take care.